so what I wanted to do is just have you kind of explain to uh, our audience. Um, and he just really <laughs> really just a slam suit <laughs> on the camera. Who is this this fucking dude? Uh, uh, pretty much. Dude, yeah. readers though, like this is like and I don't know where, but I always Conversational about everything. Sean Jenkins is here. Sitting next to him in virtual reality is uh, Kill Cha, uh, the other half of the uh, Meet the Middle podcast, which is what you're listening to tonight. So thank you for uh, dropping on in. Today's episode is sponsored by D4 on the Go. You enjoy Cellucor, you enjoy C4 as the pre workout. Well, you can always get the pre workout in a drink, uh, and that's what's called C4 on the Go. Uh, you can get these at cellucor.com. Please follow them on Facebook at cellucor, as well as Instagram. You can always shoot a uh, message at C4 on the go. Just make sure that you let them know that three elements sent you. So uh, with that being said, I wanted to introduce a absolutely spectacular human being, totally adorable, probably one of the most solid guys that I know outside of the fire line. He's the one, the only, uh, you know him as Stefan. Cookie Cook. I cook. Hello. <laughs> so, for everybody who doesn't know who you are, I'm turned on right now by that introduction. By the way, give all that everybody else. Uh, give everybody a little information about you. Where you came from? You know, where you where where were you manufactured, and where did you uh, import from? Uh, little known fact about me: I was actually born in Germany back okay. in the 70s. A hop and a snot later, I found myself in England, and that's where I spent uh, most of my formative years before. Uh, hopping on a plane and coming over here and that okay. was about 10 years ago or so so you've got a, a, a kind of rare mix of all kinds going on in there what part of germany uh it was uh i was born in a city called seller in a area called niedersachsen and i was brought up uh in a little village actually i lived in a town called gifhorn but i was raised in a village called uh, leipherder the most noticeable or noteworthy city in the area I would argue would be Wolfsburg, which have the big football team, and also an absolutely humongous Volkswagen factory plant, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so big, in fact, uh, the if you remember when the Rolling Stones released uh, Voodoo Lounge, I think it was called, god awful album, but we'll, you know we'll give them that. Uh, the concert was in the parking lot. And there was still room for other vehicles like around the, the factory. It's absolutely enormous. But anyway, we're going off on the segue. So yeah, that's the area of Germany that I was born and brought up in before I came to England. So what were you doing in Germany? Well, what was your family doing in Germany? So mother German, father English. He was a brickie, a bricklayer, construction worker. Uh, nature, nature took its course. I appeared. <laughs> and then um that all that works <laughs> yeah you know birds and bees and you know bow, chicka, wow, bow. and then i <laughs> just sprang out of you know the ether and you know life took a, a bizarre turn because i keep making fun of everything and here we are well where are you at now where are you located right now 
Right now, I am in Long Beach, California. As I say, I came over here, when was it, 2011, so nearly 10 years now. Hey, you're going to laugh at this. I kind of left England because, obviously, I'd met my good lady online. Without getting too political, England was becoming a little bit too right-wing for me, and I figured, oh, I'll go to America, you know. Good job. How bad could it be? Way to go. Nice job, sport. Look how that worked out. Yeah, good idea, Tookie, you idiot. <laughs> so this is your fault, what you're saying. It's all my fault, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Long Beach, California. I kind of go around the houses with all these answers. Sorry about that. What was your first significant job in the United States? My first significant job was... Getting married. Oh, good catch. Great. Catch. My first significant job was being a doting and loving husband. I love you, Sean. Well done for that. Good copy. Brown envelope stuffed with green bills on its way. Don't worry about that. If, all right. So if your first significant job was the job that shall not be named, then let's not rename it and we'll move on to something else. Yeah, my, my, well, we'll skate over it real quickly. My first and only so-called, in inverted quotes, proper job was working for an OCR company. I, I was there for, I want to say, seven years or so, doing various jobs. Uh, one was taking care of uh, called the endurance uh, side of things. Uh, for one reason or another, I'm not there anymore. And um, But yeah, I, I spent a long time working for in the, in the OCR kind of industry. Can I poke okay. the bear? Can I poke, poke the bear? Go for it. I'm not going to bring up names, though. Because names, I don't. Maybe we don't want to talk about names. But so, how did you get into that? <laughs> like, in terms of like the working. I mean, if you're anything like Kuehl, I'll tell you. This is my impression of Kuehl. Hey, do you guys want to go do a workout? Sure. Bring a towel. Why am I bringing a Why am I bringing a towel? You'll find out. Obviously, we so, found out. So, so like, what happened was, I was already, I already did trail running. And I didn't realize it, but I was already doing OCR before it was called OCR. It was, you would do trail runs, but what they would do is they would deliberately fell logs and deliberately dig ditches and deliberately drag boulders into place. So you would have to climb and crawl and swim and do whatever to make your way through that. And they were always in forests. I mean, I ran like half marathons through Sherwood Forest and it was always uh, like meadows, prairies, woodland and you would just run you know so uh, i got here i met a local guy that said hey do you want to do this race and i said well what is it and he goes well it's kind of like trail running but there's obstacles in the way i was like yeah okay i'll do that <laughs> so we, i showed up uh ran i think it was like a 10 miler i had a great time found out they had some kind of volunteer program and i said well i'm still waiting on a work permit i'm not allowed to work but i can volunteer so I volunteered for them for a certain amount of time. And as I say, because I had no other job to do, there's only so much daytime TV you can take. So I kind of made the volunteering my job, even though I didn't need to. And then once I got my work permit, the company had been watching my progress of how much I was volunteering. They were like, well, clearly Cookie, he's kind of into it and he, he likes what he's doing. We'd better get him aboard before someone else get him, gets him. So they offered me a job and... I took the job and there we go. And that's how I ended up there. It's really as easy as that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kind of fell into it by volunteering. Yeah, I like, hey, do you want a job? Yeah, all right. 
Yeah. This is this is my 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 uh, one minute elevator speech. Moved to the states, volunteered because I didn't want to watch Wendy, whatever her name was, on daytime talk, and got a job. Yeah. It's like a love story. That and I think because I am like crushingly handsome, they needed someone to like level it out because some of the gargoyles they had working for them, they needed to address the balance, you know. Ah, I see. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Can you smell that farmyard smell even over the internet? Yeah, I know, huh? <laughs> ah, you got jokes. So, what got you into stand up comedy and, and what kind of like, uh, I guess, what was your motivation for it? So I actually, I'll, I'll show my hand. I actually haven't done any stand-up probably since my late teens, early 20s, and I'm knocking on the door of 46 now. Um, I did one open mic, God, three, four years ago, and it went really well. But going back to my early, early years, I was always that guy that could kind of make light of pretty much anything. I'm... There's a train of thought that uh, people like, I don't know if you know the, the comics, Doug Stanhope, and uh, yeah, the, 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 a lot of British comedians as well, they're, they're strongly of the opinion, Frankie Boyle, there's another one from Scotland, they're firmly of the opinion but th that there is no subject that you can't make a joke about. Okay. And even wandering into the dark side of life, whether it's cancer or pedophilia or bestiality or all the really nasty stuff that you're not supposed to talk about and you know you frown at when you hear it you That's can make are. jokes about it but it's you have to be it's this it's the the subject of the joke not the target of the joke well i might have got those the other two the wrong way around the best example i can give of that and everybody's seen it i would hope the uk version of the office ricky gervais very cleverly makes a joke about rape and it's funny because the, the setup is that they have one of these guys that come into your office that gives a, a motivational speech and team training and blah, blah, blah. And he goes through the role play of, I'm going to work the desk at a hotel and I'm going to show you how not to deal with a belligerent customer. So the guy that comes into the office, he just folds his arms and he's all obtuse and very belligerent about it. And Ricky Gervais plays the customer and he says, I've got a complaint to make. I don't care, but you need to hear this. I still don't care. And he, he keeps going on and on and on like this. And he goes, well, I'm going to get your attention because there's been a rape up there. That's funny. That is a funny joke about rape. But if you make the joke, oh, I raped a woman, ha, 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 it's so funny. Well, clearly that's not funny, you know? So the nuances within, I'm not going to try and pretend that I'm George Carlin or Doug Stanhope or Bill Hicks. Clearly, I'm not. But I'm a very keen student of people like that. And when I read more autobiographies, when I watched more videos, I would take any old nonsense that was on TV and then play it back a million times. And I would always be the guy in the group that would make jokes and crack jokes. And then one day there was an open mic in the bar that was conveniently next to the house I was renting when I was a student. And I got, I think I got paid in Guinness, actually. They had a promotion where... But not the know, good Guinness, because it's far away. <laughs> you span a wheel, and if the thing landed on the little section, you got given a token for either a half pint or a full pint of Guinness. They just basically tore, like, the pad off. And it was like, hey, Cookie, go do five minutes. Because bits in those days were, you know, five, ten minutes. You didn't get given an hour or whatever. 
I, I just did stand up for a long time and then, you know, being an adult came in the way. I had to get a proper job and, you know, I kind of left it behind. But I've always liked to try and make people laugh. It doesn't always work, but I like to try. That's kind of my shtick, too. Like, um, so it's funny. You talked about making comedy out of anything. Have you ever heard of uh, Tig Notaro? Who, sorry? Her name is Tig Notaro. Notaro. I'm no, I'm not familiar with so that. So she um, had a popular comedian. She was at the comedy store in LA quite often, and uh, she had cancer and had to have her breast removed. Like breast cancer, had to have her breast removed. And so she actually had a joke. And so part of her shtick was she always made fun of small tits, like mm -hmm. throughout this whole her all of her comedic career. So her joke on that was, you know, I made fun of small tits for so long that mine decided to leave you know and it's like that's terrible but when you listen to her tell it you're like holy shit that's funny <laughs> like back in the day uh, this was ooh, i'd have been 21 22 ish i actually uh went out with a woman that had one breast removed from cancer uh, and uh, we would always make the joke that if someone came around, like, you know, we'd have a dinner party or just passing or whatever, the joke was always, hey, do, do you want to play with, uh, do you want to play with Sarah Boo? And they'd be, what? Yeah, do, do you want to touch it? Like, you know? And they'd be, what do you want? And so we'd come out with a shoebox. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and we would just fall about the place laughing because it was that dark, humor yeah that would that got her through you know in the end and she would make light of it all the time as well you know yep yeah that's the you know i mean all of them like all the comedians you know robin williams everybody like there's this there's this humor in that whole dark side of life that you no, know, it really is it. yeah it's you know it's terrible and sad but it's also it's very very true it really annoys people when you keep laughing as well Oh, yeah. they, they hate. I'll give you another example. There was a time in England when I still lived in Boston. I worked at a, um, it was a trust plant that made roof trusses and bolt ladders and gable heads. All the, uh, the wood in your roof, basically, yeah. you know, I'd make those. Well, the foreman was a guy called Mick who just didn't like me because, for one thing, I was faster than him and I was better than him. But he had way more experience. He was way more knowledgeable than me. It's just like, if you give me the drawings, I did da 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 da, -da and I'd make even like the irregular ones that couldn't be put on a jig. And there was just, <laughs> he was always giving me the, the terrible jobs that no one wanted to do. And I'd just smile and, ha ah, ha this is so great. And I found that the happier I was, the more pissed off he'd become. He became very happy all the he, time. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. And one day, he had this thing about leaves being blown into the factory. He didn't like it, so he'd get the broom out. And he'd shout, because like, my jig where I would work was basically a huge bench, and I would make all the irregular shaped ones. And he'd shout over to me, you know, oh, Cookie, you, you need to sweep the leaves. Get, you, get your mess sorted out. And I just waved at him and said, Mick, I love you. Mm, thanks, I love you. <laughs> and he goes, right, that's it. And he, he marched me into the office to a guy called Nick, who was our manager. And <laughs> Nick, said to, Nick said to me, it's an unfortunate, but Nick said to Nick, I want cookie discipline. And he on his, his like most sternest face that he had, he goes, why, what's cookie done? You know, clearly he's done something to warrant something as terrible as you bringing him to the office. 
and he went, yeah, he told me he loved me and waved at me and smiled. <laughs> and he was just, fuck off. Get out of my office. <laughs> get the fuck out. Just get out. <laughs> he told you that he loved you and he waved at you. How is that a disciplinary? You know, um, I've heard worse. Uh, you know. Hmm. So, yeah. So that was my foray into, you know, again, I'm going around in houses, but I got bribed with Guinness to do stand-up and it snowballed for about a year. And then I just left it all behind because I had to get a proper job. I had to live, I had to be an adult. And if anyone has ever tried stand-up and coming up with new material, it's really hard. Just constantly writing and constantly coming up with new stuff, it's very difficult to do. Yeah, that was my, um, oh, cool. What's that place called? Improv? Is that what it's called? The one that's in Tempe? Uh, the Improv? Yeah. One of my wife's friends had a, a, they do like a, you can come do a stand-up and then win something. And it's a bunch of different people. And we went to watch this thing. And in my mind, I'm like, this is a goddamn train wreck. Like, <laughs> it, so it's so like. If, like, you were good and you won, you won a prize, but if you were, like, horrible, then did you have to, like, give them a prize? No. <laughs> dude, I just remember there was this, this fucking dude that came up with a bag of stuff, and I don't know what he thought he was going to do, but whatever it was is he would pull something out, and he'd be like, oh, look, a ring. Ah! And then put it back in the bag. Okay. <laughs> And there's no, but he did this for three minutes with things. And so you just kind of. So he, he was a prop comedian, a carrot top kind of guy. Yeah, but he just said what it was and then put it back in the bag. He didn't do anything with it. Well, there's a difference between being a prop comedian and going into show and tell. And, and yeah, just... I, I think perhaps the, the man was trying to jam 30 years of show and tell that he missed into two minutes. Um, that's fair <laughs> oh and the the lady that won was like drunk off of her ass half naked talking about the fact that she likes anal sex and loves to eat asshole and uh and she was a clear winner she won oh yeah she won hands down I everybody was like we are uh, yeah it, uh, it's a it's a it's i'm amazed i am i'm sitting here absolute watch look at my face your face looks exactly the same, Kiel. It's, it's all in the eyes. It's all in the eyes. So, well, other than other than doing a little bit of stand-up and doing the comedy, you've been involved in other things of comedy or with other comedians or other comedian personalities, female. That's right. Oh, yeah. I was the so-called OCR expert in heavily... Uh, air quoted terms i know a guy in la that needed someone at chelsea handler wanted to do an ocr and uh it was uh, it turned out it was going to be a warrior dash and he needed someone to like basically hold our hand going around the course and he gave me a call and he says hey do you want to you know just help this lady around and he was all it's chelsea handler and i was like what there we go because I had no clue who she was. I was just, okay, it's some woman that's on the telly. I don't know. So I showed up and um, yeah, yeah. 
the, the, the first thing that I suggested to her is I'm a big advocate of there's a company called Trail Toes, like the anti-friction oh, yeah. for, you know, your, yeah. um, toes, for losing the title. Uh, the first thing that I managed to convince her to do was like lube up a taint with a big part of Trail Toes because I, I just thought it'd be really funny more than anything. <laughs> so, and, and she was very insistent that it was called the taint. And I said, well, where I'm from, it's called the chin rest. So, <laughs> yeah, so we, we had a day with Chelsea Handler going around the uh, the Warrior Dash course. And it was a fairly sedate course because it was up in, what's the venue, Kill? Um it wasn't you, Elson, was it Elsinore? No, it wasn't like Elsinore. It wasn't Castaic. It was. It's the where we did. Um, Temecula. No, not Temecula. Damn it, Chino, Chino. Chinos. Oh, okay. Yeah, you and I worked together there yeah. on an event. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. It's a very sedate course. It's very very flat. They had to make use of like you know water obstacles and that kind of a thing because there's not many hills and mountains and forests to play with. But yeah, she got round it. Though you know, we had a bit of fun. Like a guy, there was a team that followed us around on a gator. They were filming everything, and uh, I just thought it was just going to be some little nothing segment. But it actually appeared on Netflix. So I was on Netflix with Chelsea Handler for a while, and that was fun. So I think you can actually still find it on YouTube if you just like search Chelsea Handler, Handler Warrior Dash. You'll see me on there showing around a lube up a bits and pieces and uh <laughs> doing a warrior dash together it was a lot of fun i have to admit it was a lot of fun that day so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a question cookie mm -hmm. and then you're gonna answer and then sean is probably gonna ask a particular question <laughs> that he's asked on multiple occasions okay so just bear with us all right no problem so i sense um, where this is going Joel. yeah so <laughs> I know that you study judo, and I know that you study Brazilian jiu-jitsu, all right? But what you never told me was how you got into judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Are you talking to Sean or me now? Oh, yeah, no, I'm talking to you. you. Oh, right, okay. I eat cupcakes. I don't do any martial arts. Um, why did I study, start studying judo? When I was married to my first wife, there was an incident where she was touched inappropriately. And um, I kind of had some red list. Let me put a precursor on this and uh, just put a disclaimer down that I'm not some Muay Thai lunatic, you know. What's the name of that Dutch guy that I really like, Phil? Um, Arts, Peter Arts. Andy uh, the one that passed away recently. Oh, shit. Um, not Ernesto Hoos. No, uh, it, the name will come to me. But no, I am definitely not. Like, uh, Decker? Decker? Decker, that's him. I'm absolutely okay. not him. I'm the polar opposite of him. He's good. Like, oh, he was good. He, he was really good. <laughs> he was scary I was, good. I was just going to start throwing out names. Raymond Decker, that's him. Yeah. yeah. If we didn't yeah. get there, I was just going to start naming names too. And I figured <laughs> one of us would get there. So what happened was when she got touched inappropriately, a lot of red mist came down. And I can only thank that there wasn't any cameras around because I would have been stirring some porridge, as we would call it in England by now. I, I, I kind of set about him and 
the story is I didn't see him for the longest time, but word got round that I managed to break his cheekbones and his jaw, which sounds all great. Ooh, yeah, you look at what you did to him. No, I don't want to go to jail. Thank you very much. I, I, I will be tossed around like a rag doll in jail, you know? So even not knowing what the hell I'm doing with my hands and feet, I knew that I could do damage and I, I don't want to do damage. I want to, if I'm in a situation where I have to do something about it, I would much rather hold, throw, subdue control rather than strike, strike, strike. Because I just find if a, if a situation presented itself where a cop walked into a 7-Eleven where I'm either standing over somebody or bloodied up and his teeth are missing, or I've got him in a rear naked or in a triangle or whatever, and no blood's been spilled, no one's really hurt. I mean, he, he or she might be in discomfort, but they're not hurt. Then I can show that I was in complete control. And I'm actually just trying to tell the guy or whoever to calm down rather than knocking seven shades of shit out of him. So looking around, I knew that there was sambo, there was, you know, there was wrestling, there's jiu-jitsu, there's all these different things. And I just, I've always thought that judo is so, to my eyes, it's the most beautiful martial art of all the ones that I've seen. To me, it's the most aesthetically pleasing, the most beautiful thing that I could teach myself. And this is that some people like the angel, some people like the dodger, some people like the whoever. We all make decisions. There's no right or wrong. It's just when I look at judo, I see something really, really pretty. So I said, that's what I want to do. So I started learning judo. And as you know, first thing you learn is how to fall over and not hurt yourself. One year became two years, became four years, and on and on and on. And I noticed um, that when we were doing Nawaza, I was even more happy. And Nawaza is basically jiu-jitsu. So I found myself a jiu-jitsu school, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I did that for, I'm going to say I did it for three years, but you'll remember Pure Line had that incident in Seattle where I ended up with cervical radiculopathy. And yes, my spine got all messed up. Yes, sir. Plus, doing jiu-jitsu, I also dislocated my shoulder. I broke my nose, broke two fingers, ruptured a foot. <laughs> uh, well, it's jiu-jitsu. You're going to get hurt. <laughs> Anybody Welcome. that's ever doing jiu-jitsu knows. Welcome to jiu-jitsu. Welcome to getting hurt. Hey. Um, Welcome to jiu-jitsu. Make sure you have insurance. And here are the list of injuries that you are going to sustain. <laughs> um, so, uh, but obviously, I, was, I had a regular income when I was still doing jiu-jitsu. And then when what happened with the company that will not be named happened, I couldn't afford to keep doing judo and jiu-jitsu. So despite the yeah. fact that I was maybe, I'm going to say probably a couple of months away from blowing up, I had to stay white, no big deal, carried on with judo. I've belted up to brown now. And I'm just having, <laughs> I say I'm having the best time. I haven't done any judo because of our delightful COVID situation. Huzzah! Oh, come on in! Yeah. Um, so uh, while I haven't stepped on a mat in forever, I do find a very happy place at my dojo. It's home from home. It's my family away from my family. I, I love judo. It's such, such a really pretty, nice, <coughs> horribly brutal thing to learn. So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to guess here, you know, based on a lot of what you said. So Joel obviously knows there's a question that's near and dear to my heart. 
Um, it's, it's important to me for a variety of reasons, mostly because it's about defending yourself and protecting others. Yeah. You know, and so I see you as a possible convert to Miyagi-Do karate. <laughs> uh, see, I'm old enough to remember it from the first time round. <laughs> actually, my, my wife and I, we do have, we will throw quotes at each other long before Cobra Kai was even on YouTube, before it came to Netflix. We would throw, like, if, like you're a fan of the original 84 film, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Right. Okay, so, and it's all in the inflection. You will know which part of the film I'm quoting now, but don't, don't, if don't I'm hold in a that. bad mood or whatever, and the wife comes into the kitchen and goes, what's wrong with you? I'll go, nothing. Do you know what that bit's from? No. Okay, so when, Daniel gets, when Daniel gets run down the hill on his bike and he gets oh, yeah. home and he throws his bike in the dumpster and yeah. his mom goes, what's wrong with you? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> or the, you know, the classic, get him a body bag. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that little shrill <laughs> laugh that he does at the tournament. We'll throw quotes all day and every day at each other. So that was such a, so it's just so funny. Like the, so you've seen all the new episodes. We, we've been, yeah. we've done the whole thing. Yeah. So how they got all those guys back together, except the one guy they couldn't get. They're like, oh yeah, he's in jail. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's like, yeah. <laughs> they didn't even try. Like, you know. I don't know if it works the same for both of you as well, but as much as I loved it, Cobra Kai was fantastic. You know, all the way from beginning to end, it was fantastic. There were so many little things that irk me only because I have a sensei. I've had a jujitsu professor. I've been in dojos. I've fought in tournament. I've done randori. I've done, I've done it all. So when I see people walking across mats with shoes on, or when I see... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, and, and they're walking, they're not bowing to the mat. Or when I see like one guy who's clearly like 220 pounds fighting someone that's maybe 110, it's like, come on, really? That's not real. Yeah. Like, come on. But, you know, you, why he didn't just like Hulk smash him? You know, you know that scene in, in oh, what is it when he gets uh, Loki and he's oh, just yeah. like, Beauty God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There are some things in Cobra Kai's like, oh yeah, you're a black belt. I only even studied in two months. Yeah, that sounds bite right. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, oh, yeah. just little things like that that irked me. Nerd. But other than that, I, I loved it. I thought you it know, was so much fun. I love that hawk kid. <laughs> like, I have never seen a person transition like that in my life. Right. Like, you learned how to punch somebody. Dude got a giant back tattoo, a giant mohawk. I, I want to like, know. I want to know. How old are they supposed to be? All Valley under 18, right? So you got to assume they're all 17. Yep. How old do you, ha do you have to be to get a tattoo in California? 16 with parental permission. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll let that one slide then. But that fight scene in the last Oh, season, in the school? Yeah. Kiel, have you seen this? Or are we ruining it for you? No, no, it's it, I, I, I haven't seen it, but yeah, just keep ruining it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Seriously, you're not. No, you're not really ruining it for me. Um, but no, just keep talking. It's, it's, but I thought they did a really good job of the school fight scene. That was a really long. Fight it's scene one of the too. most prolonged fight scenes I've seen in a long time. 
and everybody's doing something. Like that was the, do you ever watch those YouTube videos with guys that actually do like stunt work and they're like pointing out all the stuff that's wrong with people that are doing stunt work? Yeah. Like the guys in the background that are moving their hands, but they're not doing anything yeah. just to make it look like they're doing something. I like tried to pick apart that thing. And when it's focused on like, I can't remember, Johnny's son fighting the one dude the girls are fighting in the background and they're still fighting. Mm. Like they don't stop. My only question was in my high school, that, that wouldn't last 11 minutes. That would have lasted like 37 seconds and then we all got tackled. Yeah. <laughs> true. Absolutely true. That. And then uh, there was another thing where I can't remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure each of them died at some period of time during their fight with each other. Oh God. Yeah. Like one kid got his head like slammed at a locker, and I was like, "Those are heavy. These mm. these can cost right now." And then there's like nobody gets knocked out, despite the fact they really, you know they'll eat an elbow full force. Yeah, there was even like some close quarter head butting going on in there, and like nobody gets a broken nose, nobody gets concussed, nobody gets knocked out. I was like, really? Yeah, I've been knocked, I've been punched in the face, you know, softer than that, and it knocked me spark out. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's the. I mean, that's nitpicking it, but also, like, they did such a great job. That it's, but it, like, it, it's so much fun. Fun is the word for that program. It's so much fun all the way through. Yep. And how can you, how can you not like someone that still listens to Guns N' Roses, calls <laughs> hashtags hash browns, and drives in a muscle car? You know you want to be friends with him. <laughs> However much of a dick he is, you know you want to be his friend. So the banquet beer is like a major sponsor of that television show because he yeah. always has a course like yeah yeah everywhere he is yeah I'm like maybe he's got a fridge at work fridge at home random houses fridge he, shit he's driving down the street with one yeah, yeah. that's some balls right there <laughs> yeah like johnny doesn't play they were they apparently they were really intent on making sure that cores got their money's worth for the advertising. You know I mean? <laughs> like the trash cans full of the bottles and like you're, yeah. you're like basically telling us he's an alcoholic. <laughs> they they pretty much they pretty much did everything except shoot the show in the middle of a like a Coors can or something, you know. Oh man. <laughs> I mean it's, I, I, I can't hate Coors though, because I mean they do back uh, they do fund the Wildnet firefighters, so they do support us, so got, got to give a shout out to Coors. I just hear the is it Sam Elliott, Coors banquet yeah. beer. Banquet. <laughs> That's all I hear. It's like every time I see it, it's a banquet beer. All right, you know, can, can we can we keep talking about TV shows? Because I got to get your opinion. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, the yeah. boy, the boys. What do you think of the boys? Have you seen the boys? The boys, never heard of it. Uh, oh God. Oh, okay, so man. Carl Carl Urban. You know who Carl Urban is? Oh. He plays uh, Scotty in the new Star Treks. No, no idea. No, okay. Dude, um, <laughs> dude you just you just turned what could have been a fabulous conversation on its head. Okay. <laughs> are you pulling up a Are you pulling up a picture, Kuehl? I am. Hold on. Have you seen I'm that guy before? Myself. He's been, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a good looking guy. He's been in other movies too. Other than movies, seeing as that's uh, uh, other than movies, my my new favorite recent book is called Small Business in the Time of Cholera. Uh, <laughs> small this, Business in the Time of COVID. Uh, like cholera, I was like, was this written in like the 1700s? And you're just yeah. like, 
put it in the library for yeah, cholera so, seemed like a good disease to read a book. Yeah, so instead of love in the time of cholera, how about, you know, small business in the time of COVID? Tell us a little bit about what your story is, how your shop is, what you do. Okay, so we're going to have to go back to probably about 2015 for this. I, at the time, all I did, oh God, this is going to make me sound like such a jock. All I did was lift weights, run up mountains, do judo, do jujitsu, and uh, design endurance events. Everything was very rah, 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 tough guy, tough guy. And I, honestly, I'm really not. I'm, you know, I, I, when people, you know, like, oh, men don't cry. I cry like a baby. Christ, if you see, at the end of Terminator 2, I was sobbing like a child. But, you know, like, like, like any man would. You know, it's like with the thumb and uh, Jesus. Yeah. So I needed something that wasn't all, you know, weightlifting and fighting and grr, grr, grr. Look at me, I'm so fucking testosterone, you know. So I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but it had to be something that wouldn't fit into that same pigeonhole. And I found myself one day in Michael's craft store. And I was just kind of like, wow, this is really cool. There's like pain and wool and frames and there's like, this is fantastic and inspiration just kind of took me and I just looked over at the wife and I said like I'm just going to run up and down these aisles not really taking in where I'm going I'm going to close my eyes I'm going to point my finger out hopefully I don't poke anybody in the eye but whatever I'm pointing at I'm going to learn that thing and it could be flower arranging it could be photography it could be I don't know we'll find out and I opened my eyes, I was pointing at a book about, and it was something like soap making for beginners. It was like, right, okay. And I paid my, like, I think it was like $20. I paid for this book. I went home, I got some oils, and I made a mess for a, a long time. But eventually, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> it was, I'm, I'm like hung up on the fact that the first time you ever went to a Michaels was 2015. Mm, well, I had no reason they're to look like glorious stores. Like, they're beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, what's, um, the, what's the green one, Kuehl? Or the one that's green? Joanne's? Yeah, Joanne's is another solid option. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I bought the book. I read it. Some I managed to get. Some I didn't manage to get. But um, it was a hobby. Just making bars of soap and making them all pretty and smelling nice and what have you. And, you know, it went from making one or two bars to like making 10 at a time and then giving them away because, you know, I mean, I stink, but I'm not that rank, you know. So I thought, well, maybe I could sell them. So, you know, I, I made another batch of like 10 or 20 and very sheepishly asked friends like would you be prepared to like give me a couple of bucks for a bar of soap and so on and on and on it went and now i find myself well actually no i, I tell you what more importantly when uh my first proper job came to an end i found myself needing to make money and quickly because i had no income so what was basically my hobby, it very quickly and very deliberately got violently out of control. And now it's how I pay my way through life. And not just for me, obviously it pays for the mortgage and the food and blah, blah, blah. But I am a huge advocate 
of rescuing dogs. I'm very much of the adopt, don't shop uh, idiom. I'm not down with people buying dogs. I definitely don't like backyard breeders. So rescuing these dogs, you know, they're very selfish. They insist on eating every day and getting groomed and, you know. Cookie, eating. do you know what I do? Do you, you have no idea? You don't know what I do, do you? You breed dogs? That's fight. So, uh, so, Cookie, so I run this program for this company. But yes, I wholeheartedly dog adoptable pets, dogs mm. especially breeders are. Eh. You do need breeders though. Like this is like the the learning curve that I've been on. Uh, all of my dogs have been adopted. I've got one that's asleep on his dog bed over there. But it was uh, what is it? Without breeders, then you would never really you would lose so many dog breeds that are out there. Mm. And so that was like the, it's don't focus on the ones that are doing it humanely and correctly, and then try to eliminate the ones that are doing all the nonsense, like the backyard. Right. And the, the yeah. stupidity. But no, dude, that is fantastic, man. Like that's well, awesome. Well, I'm, I'm one of those bleeding heart uh, liberals, I suppose, but I can't see a dog in distress. I can't, I mean, I, 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 if need be, I can happily, you know, keep stomping on a guy's face that looks at me wrong. But if I see a dog, <laughs> I'm, just like, oh, the puppy! I, I, I'm the guy that cries if a dog dies. I can watch swathes of people get hacked to pieces in horror films and not flinch and just like, not be bothered. But yeah. if an animal gets a case in point, what did I watch the other day? Uh, the Bye Bye Man horror film. You ever heard that one? The what? There's a horror film called The Bye Bye Man. Huh. Uh, psychological horror. There's not much gore in it. But I just ended up wanting everyone in the film to die because they all got on my nerves. Just like, the, I didn't like the villain, I didn't like the hero, I didn't like the supporting cast, let's just kill them all. You need some more dogs in this film, you know, maybe a budgie, put a parakeet in there. Just like, give me something to root for, because right now I don't like anyone. It's, <laughs> and there's a thing that I do with, um, I mean, I'm wearing one of my shirts, I don't know if you can see that. Uh, nice. I have uh, a small range of shirts that I sell through a bonfire store. And all of these designs, actually, they're done by a lady that works on Family Guy and uh, Big Mouth. She actually did the artwork for them. So a bit of a coup, I think, there. But the yeah. back of all of my shirts all say, be the person your dog thinks that you are. Yeah. And I think that is not just a motto for, you know, yourself. I think that should be, like, branded on everybody for life because if we acted as good and as wholesome as dogs think we are the world would be a much much better place thank you for coming, coming to my TED talk yeah i mean i think that you know i've always wanted to poop in public and then stare at my friends while i'm doing it um, yeah that's true it's one of those true. i you know i mean Awkward stare. Have you have you ever broken up like an awkward situation where your dog comes in the room and you got guests and he's licking his own asshole? And oh, someone yeah. and if someone says, "Oh, I wish I could do that to break up the tension," just say, "Well, if you give him a biscuit, he might let you." Peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know a guy that died eating dog food. True story. Broke his neck trying to lick his ass afterwards. True. It's true. I can keep this up all day, you know, all just never ending, never non ending. Non-stop, just keep going. Yeah, all I the didn't, worst of which are bad. 
<laughs> so, you know, when you brought up movies, I didn't think you were going to go with the Bye Bye Man. I thought you were going to be like, I watched this movie the other day, John Wick, where his dog dies. I was like, murder everyone. And he did. <laughs> and then he started the second movie doing the exact same thing. <laughs> and along his journey, he rescued a pity because pities are adorable. Did you notice the little, I'm not going to call it an Easter egg, but did you pay attention to the cage that the little devil uh -huh. was in? If you pause it, frame like at the right point, you'll notice that on that cage the little pibble was in it says due to be destroyed then we had one dog i posted it on the sophie paul instagram sorry i never even mentioned the name of my shop sorry phil <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> i was just got... waiting i was I waiting I was just... well, there we go he's got it on instagram there yeah um, I'm right now i'm gonna buy some soap yeah so I, I do often get asked the question like is your soap for dogs because my what i do is called the sophie paw shop and i'm on instagram and facebook i do tweet sometimes but instagram and facebook's my main thing i often get asked is it so for dogs, I said, well, no, the soap is for, you know, you bathe with it, shower with it, whatever. And so, but I can, I get it. I, I understand why you might think it is for dogs because, you know, but it's not, it's the dogs that were the catalyst for what I do is because I want to look after them. I want them to have the best food. I want them to have the best medication. When it's firework time, I want to have the best pheromone diffusers. I want the best calming pills. I want the best soundproofing. I want everything to be the best for my dogs. And all of that costs. Yep. So if I can sell a few bars of soap along the way in order to keep them cared for and accustomed to the life of luxury that they live in. I don't know if you can actually hear it, but one of them banging on the door to be let in, but I can't because if I open the door, they'll all come in and then they'll just be carnage. So <laughs> No, it's uh, so curiosity. Have you ever seen Best Friends Animal Sanctuary in Utah? I have not. So you'd probably really dig that, just based kind of on what you said. It's in uh, Kanab, so it's like just south of uh, Bryce and just east of Zion. They Best Friends is one of the largest animal welfare groups. They went and bought acreage, and it's just it's dogs, cats, all sorts of other animals. You can volunteer there. Just call them up, say I'd like to volunteer. Mm -hmm. It's in a valley. It is beautiful nice but it's they that is their they want animals to have their best lives possible and they will save as many animals as they can and adopt you know them. i we've often joked about it um the wife and i that if money ever became something that wasn't going to be an ob, you know an obstacle for us anymore and we all have all these flights of fantasy that oh i would do this and i'd yeah. tell my boss to fuck off blah, all the you know the usual stuff I legitimately would buy a massive area of land. I'd build all kinds of, you know, buildings where, you know, water would be running, the rain, you know, there'd be like classical music FM running the whole time or whatever. You know, you'd play Ode to Joy on a loop over and over again. And I would just let dogs just run around and play and do their thing and just never want for anything because they're just dogs are just so awesome they love you unconditionally everything's great everything's amazing you can feed them the same kibble every single day and they just like oh my god this is the kibble I, this is fucking great and they're just everything is positive and wonderful and we call them dumb animals they're not dumb who's dumb we're the ones that are right now in america we're a split nation 
you got right wing versus left wing, you got this versus that, everyone's fighting, shooting, killing each other on the street. And you come home and your dog's just like, hey, do you want to fetch a stick? Because it's the most amazing thing. Hey, I love you. Do you know, do you love me? Because we can we can love each other I right now. Just hang out, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but yeah, it's just everything. Just look at how a dog lives its life. It eats when it's hungry, if it's well behaved, obviously, you know. It all it wants to do is just love you and play and just be your friend. What's so bad about that? You know? You know, and I think I think though, and I think that it's it kind of touches on what you had said is they interact, like they tie, like they're there, like they're present, they're mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's the part that lead has led and will continue to lead to the the tom fuckery that we're finding ourselves in is that people don't want to talk mm. they don't want to be present they don't want to your dog doesn't necessarily have to like what you do but your dog loves you mm. like your dog may want to go for My, a walk you can. i have a schnauzer mix called lucky um and you know how every dog has also got another name yeah, oh yeah. everybody does it well lucky lucky jack is his name i call him the puppy capital t capital p um <laughs> He is the most aggressively friendly dog you've ever met. He'll, if you go to the dog park, if there's somebody new, like human, he runs up, we're friends now, let's play. And he's just like all in your face about it. When his tail's going, if you read the language, you know, obviously you'll understand body language of the dog. But you look at how the puppy's acting, and it is nothing but love and joy and like, we're friends now. Do you want to throw a tennis ball? You throw it to me and then I'll bring it back to you and then we'll roll around in the sand for a while. Yeah, this is great. There's just something so pure about dogs, you know? Oh, yeah. And anyway, let's talk about something other than dogs because we're just going to be here all night talking about dogs. I think I think you, Kjell, was, <laughs> Kjell was going on the uh, tell us about your, your where to find your stuff. Okay, well, you can find me, honestly. Let's, if you go to Facebook, just go to the search bar, just type in the Soapy Paw Shop, and you'll see my logo, click on it. And the uh, same goes for Instagram. Uh, you'll find links to, I have a little Etsy store where you can yep. shop to your heart's content. But if you want to do something particular, if you don't, if you see in my store, you'll see, oh, there's a lavender bar and there is a, tangerine bar and you think well i don't want tangerine and lavender i want tangerine and lavender in the same bar if you message me and say look can you throw this together for me because i'd really like to you know peppermint and patchouli chances are i can figure it out and i'll try and make it work as well so message me you know venmo paypal whatever always manage to work something out and if not then i'll recommend someone because i know other soap makers that might be able to help you if i can't but soapy poor shop just put it in the uh, search bar on instagram or facebook you'll find me you do more than soap so i can tell you that well i can tell everybody i've that. also dabbled with well I, today was actually bath bomb making day i made a whole bunch of bath bombs today i also do um this thing i call i laughably call it fizzy dust which you can tell a lot of thought went into that name because it's Busy just physics. Hey, see, the, the mental dexterity that's going on here, it's, you know, it's remarkable. I, I basically, I wanted a bath bomb, but I'm not very patient. 
So I wanted something that was going to fizz quickly. So I made this thing where you pretty much as soon as it touches the water, it colors the water, the scent comes out of me uh, immediately. Um, and that's something else that I do. Also, because I like the scents that I do, but I can't always be in the shower or the bath, much to my chagrin. I, I wanted scent like in the bedroom or in my car or whatever. So what I also do is these scent sprays, which is kind of like a Febreze, but not loaded up with chemicals and nasty stuff. So I also do those as well. Basically, if you know me and you know the soap before, there's no excuse for you to smell bad. I, I mean, I just want to, you know, uh, go back in our journey of you did literally pick a thing that is the opposite of the testosterone fueled. Mm. <laughs> you did yeah, I, I've, got, I've gone from like, yeah, I've hit my PA, blah, 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 lavender. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I was bitching, doing judo, throwing people, yeah. Have you ever tried tangerine and lavender? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, my, my, you know what? The only thing that surprises me about this whole thing is that you did not start a fight club unless your participants actually follow the first two rules of your fight club. That's all I'm saying. There, there is that, and I, I know what you're alluding to, that the, the, the certain bar that I make. Yeah. There is a fight club bar. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is, but we're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> so you know there it is you can go and look at it and you can buy it but i'm not allowed to talk about it so you can't tell anybody you got it you just yeah. talk, what that i've got what what are you talking about <laughs> yeah, interesting see. i like it um okay. so <laughs> it's our top know. seller that nobody knows about <laughs> it's um it's the uh, the secret menu <laughs> the secret so, wait i'm, I'm just yeah. as a point of principle i'm going to it's the it's 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 like the Travis Scott burger from from McDonald's maybe it's the secret. I'm just gonna see where in the listing it is. It's like halfway down. <laughs> well, apparently I haven't got a signal. So how we're talking right now, I don't know. I've, I've got the spinning circle of doom going on. I don't know if you can see it. No, it's okay, hold on. You're it's from the top. One, two, three, four. You're four down from the top. So that with which we cannot talk about is there. Just get on your phones and scroll it. There it is. Yeah. There you go. There it is. It's so weird. You, like, you almost should put don't talk about this. Next <laughs> you know, the, the most interesting thing, two things about that particular bar, is if I'm at the farmer's market, usually it'll be, if it's a husband and wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, um, and they'll be checking out all the different, you know, there you can get your fruit and veg over there and you get some eggs over there. And then they'll see, like, my little display of soap. Usually the guys will ask, oh, soap. But the women will drag their husband or boyfriend or whoever. Uh, and, they'll, and they'll just look really bored. And they'll just be, oh. And then their eyes will just go, oh, they see that one. And then they just kind of <laughs> zoom in. And they go, that's so fucking cool. And then they'll buy it. And they'll never use it. They won't unwrap it. They won't wash with it. Because they want to take it to bars and the you know, to the gyms or wherever they hang out with their friends, and they'd be like, oh, my God, look at this thing that I've got. It's so cool. A hefty percentage. I want to say 80 85% of the guys that I know have got that, they don't buy it to use it. They only buy it so they can show it off to their friends. Yeah, and you know the best thing about it is that on your shop, 
poo is right underneath it. Oh yeah, I make a show. I make a soap that looks like a big pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> What's that one smell like? Whatever you want it to smell like. The last oh. one I made today was um. Well, now you've got me. Fresh pine. I made a pine one. You made pine poop. Pine poop. Pine poop. I also do a unicorn poop version, which is all white with like multicolored speckles, <laughs> so it looks like a unicorn's just had a big shit. I actually I did this video where I set them all up on my front lawn in front of my house, and I got up really early one day, and I made this whole joke about how, you know, it's all fun living in Long Beach, but the unicorns shit all over your yard. So I went out with a camera and I was filming, I was picking up all the poops and then wrapping them up and selling them to people, making it out that the unicorns were shitting all over my yard. Oh, that's amazing. Everybody needs a hobby, right? What's it been like? having a small business during this time of like the lockdown and just all of the the economic just upheaval it's not been funny i won't lie it's um running a small business in itself is hard work because for one thing there's there's, there's always that nagging kind of am i charging too much because my friends are helping me out by buying this. So you feel obligated to not charge them as much. It's like you've got the, the angel and the devil on each shoulder. One saying, you've got a business to run. You've got a mortgage to pay. You've got dogs to feed, you know. Um, and then the other hand, it's just like, yeah, but you don't want to be seen as gouging people. You know, it's, you know, you don't work for like Procter Gamble. You don't work on, you know, like, no, but it's getting that balance. And when nobody... Let me qualify that. When a lot of people have been furloughed or lost their jobs, buying a luxury item, despite the fact that there's now I'm slowly starting to get my head above water. But when your priorities are food, water, gas, electricity, mortgage, nowhere in that list is, oh yeah, fancy soaps that cookie makes. It smell like lavender and patchouli. So it's been hard. It's been a real struggle. I'm not going to lie. So as with most things, you know, we can re reference the whole endurance side of things, you know, about pushing on and struggling on and just putting one foot into the other. It absolutely is. I keep trying to do what I do uh, and make it not just so that your, the product that you buy is of a good quality, but I want you to know that when you do get something from the sofa porn, not only you're helping me out, you're also making sure that dogs that have been rescued continue to be cared for. But you'll see me rescuing seagulls and gophers and parakeets. And if anything's in distress and I can afford to go out and rescue it, then I will. And people buying the soap affords me the luxury of being able to chase a dog around you know an underpass that goes over the goes under the 405 where there's like debris and you know there's a family of dogs that have been literally kicked out of a truck you know I'm, I'm actually referencing something that literally happened a few months ago so i will spend days and days chasing after it and then when i do chase after it and find it and catch it make sure it's a vet can get hold of it and see if it's savable give it a wash give it a, you know a groom find a forever home for it and if i haven't got a forever home for it i'll foster it myself and then find a, another own potential forever home myself 
and the soap and the bath bombs and the fizzy dust and the scent sprays is what allows all of that to happen. So you smell great, animals get rescued. And I pay my way in life and I don't have to mooch off my family. I, uh, is that like your slogan? You smell great and you rescue animals. Is that like a slogan? Oh, I, I, that, you know, I could use that, but I, I revert to the uh, be the person your dog thinks you are. Yep. So, yeah, the, 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 the so it's also, and for something that actually I wanted to bring up, it also gives me a distraction because with many things that have given us all a not too happy 2020, um, I have for the longest time, and I'm happy to talk about it, is I've suffered from a lot of different mental illnesses in forms of uh, depression and the anxieties. And what I have found is that if you can dwell on your thoughts when you're not in a happy place, it makes for very dark times. So that is one of the reasons I lean so heavily on making jokes because it cheers me up. And if it means I make a few other people laugh, then great, that makes me happy. And also having a creative outlet um, also really, really alleviates the pain of not having an altogether bright and sunny mind. So if anybody out there is not having a particularly good time and god if, if the amount of times i've just been told i'll oh, just cheer up oh okay oh sweet thanks no i never thought of that i'll just cheer up from experience if you're not having a good time i've found a creative outlet um helps immeasurably yep so well, much I, I mean it also helps that if COVID's not around and I'm not in a happy place, going to a dojo and throwing some people across the room a few times, it, you know, kind of feels good. It brings a smile on my face. But you're going to go over there now. Or if we're doing something there was, I'm going to choke you asleep now. No, clearly not. But a creative outlet, it distracts the mind. And it, I don't know if it's just me, but doing something and then making something and, or making something happen and then looking at it and go, I did that. I made that happen. That wouldn't have existed if I hadn't have done that. It gives you a, like an endorphins release. Like it's a, this rush of, this feels great. The first time you've ever learned a rear naked choke, the first time you ever learned a triangle, the first time you ever learned a tayatoshi, a, a satagaruma, it's the first time you've made your first bar of soap and you look at it and go, I created that. I'm, I'm great. I, I did that. You okay. forget that all the darkness is going on in your head. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's funny because that it's funny, not funny. And I think it's an interesting time because we are seeing the fact that people are social. You know, we we always hear like, you know, the introverts are now not introverts. Mm. I'm introverted. You are in the context of you don't mind being by yourself. But there is something to be said about when you can't leave, you you lose the ability to and this will sound like a weird way to say it, but I don't want to say when you talk to your buddies, it's a different conversation than when you talk to your wife, mm. when you talk to people like anything about, mm. you know, politics or because you're, you're, you're trying to balance out the needs of the family with the conversation at times. Whereas with your friends, you could say, 
you could crack those dirty jokes that you're not going to say with, <laughs> I'm not going to go tell a dark joke to my wife, but I would have a, like, I would tell a dark joke with my friends. And mm. so, you know, I found that when um, I started to re-engage with my friends, because we stayed inside for the most part, um, I ventured out. I, you know, I, I will say I'm a partial man without fear, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it was a situation where once I started to see my friends again, I instantly felt better. Yeah. Like, there was not a single part of me that was like, okay, I, this, this was, this was good. I needed this. And then there's, there's also a thing that it's very, there is nothing anyone can say. If, if someone, if someone has the stones to step up to their friend and say, look, I'm suffering to, um, you know, some kind of depression. And it's not the one where, oh, you know, just cheer up and you'll be fine. If yeah. it's, a lot of people don't seem to understand that a, a depression is, it's not that you feel sad, it's you feel nothing. Yeah. It's like a void, there's nothing. You don't feel happy, you don't feel sad, you feel nothing. And there's nothing anyone can say. Like, there's no string of words that can make that person feel better. But what really helps is just being there. Yep. Like, you could go to your friend's house or they can come visit you and watch a film together and you don't need to say a word. You can spend two hours watching, you know, Avengers or whatever. And the fact that there's someone in the room watching the film with you helps so much. Yep. So if you have a friend, if anyone's listening to this that has a friend that's in a bad place, don't try to be like, you know, some kind of Shelley or Shakespeare or whatever. Just say, do you want to do just like hang out and watch a film or just be there. You don't have to say or do or massage them or just be them. Yep. It helps so much. It really, really does. Well, and I think, and that's the thing that's, you know, it's tough because like in your case, you guys are a little bit more restrictive than we are here to where here it's at least we can go like we've went with some of my friends and just had a beer and didn't really say much just drank a beer at a bar yeah you know just well, that, that's just, one of the things i miss about the judo yeah there are some times where we're doing uh because my age my frame the way the fact that i'm hurt all the time you're very svelte by the way i'm sorry you're very svelte i i'm really not when i put my socks on to, to borrow a phrase when I put on my socks, it's like folding a bowling ball. It's it's not good. So oh. a lot of a lot of my throws when I'm doing my judo, they're all talk. There'll be a lot of tayatoshi. There'll be a lot. It's a lot of like movement this way. Whereas the big epons, I don't do those. Okay. I can't do those. So if that's the lesson, I'll go over and do some mewaza or whatever, and we'll just be hanging out and just doing side control and just messing around. And we're not even doing anything because we all know what we're doing kind of to a certain degree, but it's the fact that you're hanging out with, you know, and I'll just name up some friends, like if Anthony's there or Derek's there or Thomas is there or Sebastian or, you know, and you're just, you're just playing. You're just yeah. like hanging out and you're just like, yeah. And then we'll do maybe some like some light randori or this, you know, it's just, you're there with your friends and you're hanging out. You're not beating each other up. It's not kumate or anything. It's just like you have what? What? No, I, I wouldn't. I'd do, do I, it. I would get my butt kicked so quick. Do it. No. Oh, do, do it, it, Sean. Do it, Sean. 
What? What's he gonna do? Is this an in joke that I'm not a part of? Do it, Sean. No, no. Do it because do he's, it. he's heard of him. So, but, but but you have to ask. So, um, what, Sean? Ask me. So there. So there is a. Um, it is a nonfiction film. It's a kind of a biographical film about um, real life character. Mm-hmm. I found out. Or Kill Wait, is that the guy that's the fake guy? <laughs> is that the, yeah. is that the Frank Dukes? Frank Dukes. He ruined my existence one day. I thought that that was a real movie about real things that really happened for 30 years. And he goes, Oh, yeah, that guy was fake. None of that happened. The, huh. the I, honestly, the idea of a real Kumate, it scares the shit out of me. It's Fight Club. It's the Jim Fight Club. And honestly, I mean, I would be, I'd love to watch it. I really would. But like I say, I'm I'm only a white in jiu-jitsu. I'm not, I'm not very even, even very good. And I'm, I've just been belted up to brown in judo. And I'm on the third low tier of brown. I'm not like the third step up and then my next one's black. I'm okay. I'm the guy that be like, if there's a guy getting all mouthy in a 7-Eleven, I could probably be able to take care of it. But I always get my butt kicked in tournament, always. I think I've yeah. beaten one or two guys, but the idea of like a legit tournament where a guy really wants to kill you like yeah. badly <laughs> and make a mess of you, oh, that would scare the shit out yeah. of me. No. Yeah, my level is the I kick a tree with my shin and go, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. So that's why I don't and just walk like away. <laughs> You know that adage about hitting someone with the planet? What? Well, that's what they say judo is. Right? Oh, yeah. Not saying oh, yeah. that you're hitting someone with your fist in judo, you're hitting them with the planet. The planet. Yep. Back yep. way, way, way back in the day, I did some boxing. Like, and it wasn't very long. It was like six months. And because I was a teenager, I knew it all already. I could take on Tyson and beat him in 30 seconds flat because all teenagers know everything. So, and we're going back to the whole principle of why I like judo. It is very satisfying to punch someone in the face. I've no doubt. I've done it. I've also been on the receiving end. Don't like it. But if when you do your first ever like full-on hit throw with the full opponent's legs are in the air and you've got them and you're supposed to like control their fall, yeah. <laughs> and you're supposed to like hold the arm and show that you're in control and then you get your epon and if you don't do it right, you only get a half point, whatever. Nah, the first time you get it and you're like, the sensei's not looking, you die, motherfucker. And it just feels <laughs> really nice just to slam someone down. <laughs> and you know in real life you're not going to do tournament or dojo rules. You know the second they're loud, your heel is in their face and you're just going to keep stamping on them until they stop moving. Or maybe that's just me, I don't know. That's fair. But there's something very, very satisfying about picking someone up off of their feet and throwing them and like hitting them with, into the floor. It feels so good. It really, really does. I've only done that with kids, so I don't know about adults. So, and, and then the fact that in, in a that was a thing, joke. <laughs> you didn't laugh. You should just you should put mattresses down and go. Oh, this is training. You're fine. <laughs> You're alright. Bones heal. Cookie just absolutely just shrugged that off. He was just like, yeah, okay. So you do that. So what? Oh, all right. Anyways, cool. Sean, you, sure, you know, you know what the secret of comedy is. I'm waiting. Timing. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome.
I'm gonna go buy Nerf guns now and Nerf gun the kids. I think that's what I'm gonna do now. We should do that. Um, oh man. Well, Cookie, what are your plans for the future for Sophie Paw? Um, are you doing any? Are you gonna expand into it, or I mean, what are we? Well, what are you looking at? I'm obviously gonna kind of keep rolling with what I'm doing because I'm halfway okay at it. You know, trying to unplay it. Try to just keep expanding day by day. Just take each day as it comes. That aside, other things that I want to do is as and when we're allowed to go and, you know, invite people to come play with some sandbags or whatever. Obviously, if Three Elements is going to have me back again, you know that I basically have idea diarrhea that will never... Sean's face just then was a picture. With no false modesty, Sean, ideas for endurance events... I've never had a problem coming up with really, like, Cookie, what's wrong with you ideas? Um, yeah. Most of which I push on to Kjol, but there's also a guy I've been helping out in Canada, in British Columbia. I helped him out with one event called Fire and Ice. He, he has a, a setup called Swanson Grit. We've got a big event with a, we've started putting together that's going to be way into next year. It's an event, it's a multi-day event, it's called the Behemoth, and it's just going to go on and on and on and on. It's just a really horribly long event that we've already started putting ideas together for it. Um, basically yes. showing people, you know, the different kinds of physical discourtesies that you can do on a mountain with logs and bags and things. But there'll also be some brain teasers in there as well because one one thing that people love doing when, when they've been awake for 60 hours is doing calculus <laughs> so yeah i've been there yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> or something of equal i don't know some kind of mental agility that won't actually happen because your brain stopped working 10 hours previous yeah that was i think the the worst i had it was uh <clears throat> trying to tie knots after running up and downstairs over your head without looking at them. And then if you mess up, <laughs> you got to go back up and down the stairs again and then try it again. And then again, by about the 10th time you realize that you should probably just slow down and do it the right way instead of trying to speed through it. But that <laughs> one really good thing is when ideas like that, I've got three of these. They're in they're either that cabinet or that one over there. Um, of stuff that I beta tested like back in the day that we were going to use and then obviously it came to a point where I couldn't use them but now uh, three elements and uh, Swanson are now the beneficiaries of that because I know that they've been beta tested because I've done it myself uh, and uh, I know they're plausible I know they're feasible I know they can be done and to the point where one of them, it was so simple. It was just one of the most simple, most stupidest things I've ever done. We had an event in, where was it? Is it the North or South Carolina? Somewhere over there anyway. And the event, the, the task was really, really simple. I beta tested that. I've got an alley behind the back of my house here, and I beta tested it a few times. I had the police called on me by a nosy neighbor uh, because I, what, what I designed, I did to myself to see if it could be done. And that was to get a couple of 50 pound sandbags and take them together, put them in a bucket and take it all into one big horrible mess. 
and then duct tape my knees together and then duct tape my ankles together and then just push this thing just for hours, hours and hours, just keep pushing it. And uh, I knew it could be done. It was horrible. It was absolutely god awful, but I knew it could be done. So I made all my friends do it in this one event. Uh, shout out to Abe McCall. He was there. Mike Rady was there. And it became the stuff of legend. We made uh, Abe do it again on his birthday. I don't know how many hours he was doing it, but it was like everybody like, oh, and here's Joe Smith with his blah, blah, blah. And here's Sarah Jones with his blah, blah. Now, here's the event. You know who it is. Don't take your ankles. I'll fucking cook you again. <laughs> <laughs> And I know that uh, Ryan, his name is, he, he kind of borrowed the idea. But ideas of that elk and idiom, I, I have, but there's this one here. I'm obviously not going to show it because let them my ideas and no one can have them but me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're all going to get used in various events, uh, three elements. Um, we, like, we, I still got the, the you know, that, uh, one that we designed pure that I still want to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and Swans is going to use some. So long, long, long-term soap, bath bomb sprays, blah, blah, blah. So everybody smells great. And in between the next six months, year, 18 months, just keep helping out one or two individual endurance events with ideas that suck, but can be done. And yeah, that's me. All right, that's cool. awesome. Well, um, Sean, open up the dojos. I miss my judo. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, do you, uh, do you have any questions or anything for uh, for Cookie here? No, that was awesome. You're a cool oh, dude, man. man, for sure. All right, All right. well, Cookie, uh, tell everybody one more time where they can find you and your uh, your awesome uh, awesome. Okay, shop. so if you want to uh, get one or two or ten bars of soap from me. Uh, go to Facebook or Instagram and in the search function, just put in the Soapy Paw shop. Uh, you will see the logo. Uh, just click on that. You will see pictures of, it'll either be bath bomb soaps or dogs, because that's all I post. It's kind of a theme of what they do. It's just, here's a bar of soap and here's a dog. And here's another dog being cute and here's another bar of soap. But in there, you will find the link to the Etsy store which is also called the Sophie Poor Shop. Go to Etsy, search Sophie Poor Shop, you'll see me. And know that when you do buy any product from me, not only are you making yourself smell good, you're helping me do my thing. And more importantly, me doing my thing allows me to continue caring for dogs that I have rescued and will continue to rescue. Um, so that's it. Go buy some soap from me. And then yeah, what's your Instagram handle? If you want to follow me, it's at 666cookie666, because the devil has the best music. <laughs> well, he does. So if you search soapy.poor.soap, soapy that's where you'll find me on Instagram. Can they, can they still find you at the farmer's market? Well, so I'm in Long Beach on the corner of Clark and Spring every Sunday telling poor quality jokes and wearing one offensive shirt after another. So come, come <laughs> by and say hello. Perfect. Awesome. Well, with, with that being said, Cookie, thanks for spending your evening with us. I really appreciate that you came on to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah, you. No, absolutely. And then, yeah, it was, no, it was, it was great to be able to kind of like 
sit back and just listen to you talk to somebody else and just kind of like uh, be able to like get, you know, quality information. So. Thank you.